Brother Paul, thank you very much for leading us in our song service this evening. Uh, as well, would like to express again uh, my appreciation to all of the men who have led singing for us this week and encouraged us, and uh, it's just been a joy to be able to do that. Uh, once a month, and I would imagine probably in this area you probably do this as well, but uh, in our area, once a month, we have an area-wide uh, singing in one of the congregations, uh, and what a joy it is to be able to get with brethren and to sing and to lift our voice in praise to Him. Brother Paul, thank you so very much for leading us in our song service this evening. It's been a joy for Janet and I to be with you this week. And again, I want to express my appreciation to the elders of the congregation here for the invitation that they had given to me to be with you. I appreciate these men. I appreciate their love for the truth. I appreciate the dedication that they have in uh, taking the gospel, not only to this community, uh, but to the entire world. And I really appreciate your elders. I know they love you. I know they love the body of Christ. They love the Word of God. And what an encouragement it is uh, to be in a congregation that has an eldership uh, that has the kind of dedication that this eldership has. And I want these men to know uh, how much I appreciate them and how much I love and appreciate men uh, who give themselves as elders in a congregation. Uh, they serve well, and I know that a lot of folks in this congregation, uh, as well as in this community, love and appreciate the elders, and they are to be blessed as a result of that. Uh, Brother Tony, I love you. I really appreciate I would like to, I'll tell you what, I need to come up here and go to school under Tony for a long time. Uh, there's a lot of things, especially about PowerPoint I could learn, uh, but also about resources. I'll, I'll tell you, uh, you are indeed fortunate uh, to have a man of Brother Tony's ability, his love for the truth, his knowledge of the Bible, and I believe the great desire that he has in his heart. Uh, to preach the Holy Word of God. And I know that, uh, I mean, I've never been in a congregation uh, that long a time, you know, because uh, usually uh, I just, I, I'm, you know, I'm one step ahead and then I leave at the right time. But see, uh, Brother Tony has been here 27 years. That says something about you and it says something about him and his work and his family. And I know that you love and appreciate him, and certainly uh, in our brotherhood, he is a man that is held in very high esteem, and it's just a joy. I appreciate having my name associated uh, with Brother Tony Lawrence and the Bobby Branch Congregation. And Tony, uh, God bless you in your work. And uh, I know that uh, you love him, and you show that love and appreciation by your encouragement to him uh, in preaching the gospel. Uh, the ladies and the, whoever cooked all the food, uh, I want you to know, wow, it has been delicious. And it has been probably about a 25-pounder. I'm telling you, you, you the food uh, has been nourishing. It has been uplifting. Thanks for the chocolate pies. I appreciate that. Now, where I preach, the fellows, they got after me one time. They said, man, we like something besides chocolate pie. You got... So I get it when I get out of town. See, I tell you, they don't know about it. But at any rate, uh, I really appreciate all of the food, and I've eaten more than just chocolate pie, and I really appreciate the good cooks in this congregation, and thank you for taking the time to prepare the meals and then to be with us during those meals. Uh, when we got in Saturday, there was this basket that covers the whole stage, I think. I mean, it was huge, and uh, thank you so much. Uh, Janet and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I do, I mean, it'd take me about 25 minutes to go through and tell you what all was in it. 
Uh, but I can tell you this, it was delicious. We're not finished with it. Uh, we'll be eating uh, out of that basket for a few more days. And I want you to know, your thoughtfulness is greatly appreciated by she and I. We love that and thank you so very much. It's just been a joy. We've enjoyed it. And we thank you for your kindness, your encouragement, your hospitality. We thank you for listening so well. And uh, thank you for not going to sleep. And if you did, thank you for not snoring. I mean, it's just, uh, you've listened so well. Uh, you know, and, and it just kind of encourages, I think, any gospel preacher. Of course, you've got a clock back there, and I can see it. Uh, I do not pay any attention to it, but at any rate, I know it's back there, and uh, you've been very good to listen. And I thought about the uh, the congregation had a clock just about like that, and uh, the, there was a lady in the congregation, and she just agitated the preacher to no end because she would come in the service on a Sunday morning, and he would get it, he would be preaching his sermon, and he'd be into it about fifteen minutes, and then she would she would start uh, looking at her watch. And then in a few minutes, she would, uh, she'd kind of tap it, you know, like that, see if it was working. And then in a few minutes, she, she had put it up to her ear like that, you know. And, well, that just kind of agitated the preacher, and he told the elders about it. And uh, not only that, but then after she did that, what she would do is she'd turn around, you know, and look at the clock in the back. Well, that just upset him. So he went to the elders, and they said, don't worry about it, we'll take care of it. So what they did is they took the clock down from the back of the building and they put up a picture of the preacher. Well, next Sunday morning, she came in, 15 minutes into the sermon. Sure enough, she began, you know, she looked at her watch and, and then in a minute, you know, she tapped it and then in a minute she put it up to her ear and, and then she turned around and she did a double take. She said, I will declare they've taken down time and put up eternity. And so... Uh, <laughs> Maybe we have not done that. The book of Matthew, chapter number 25, the Bible says, When the Son of Man shall come in all of His glory and all of His holy angels with Him, then shall He sit on the throne of His glory. And there shall be gathered together all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left hand. The Bible tells us that He turns to those on the right hand and says to them, Enter thou into the place prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. And they said, When did we see you sick and naked and thirsty and uh, in prison? And when did we do all of this? And Jesus said, Inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. And then he goes on to say that he turns to those on the left hand, and he says to them, Depart from me uh, into everlasting punishment. Verse number 46. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. Thirsty you didn't give me drink. I was sick and you didn't visit me. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was in prison and you didn't come to see me. And they said, well, when did we see you in these conditions? He said, inasmuch as you did it not to the least of these my brethren, you did it not to me. In the book of Matthew chapter number 7, the Bible says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. But straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You and I have already noted from Acts 17, 30, and 31, earlier in that lesson, 
And that is the time of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, for he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, and give assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. The Bible says that every man must appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of the things done in the body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. I challenge you tonight that if you are not prepared to stand before the great judge in the day of judgment, that tonight will be the night that makes a difference in your life. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And the Bible says that it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. In Colossians chapter number 1, we find down in verses 13 and 14, the Bible says that He hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins. In the book of Titus chapter number 2, the Bible says, "...the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works." When you and I look at Titus chapter number 2, and the Bible says the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared unto all men, you and I must recognize tonight it is by the love of God and the grace of God that men can be saved. In John 3 and verse 16, you're familiar with that. The Bible says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You and I know then that it is the blood of Jesus that saves us. Listen tonight. You and I cannot enter the gates of heaven. We cannot hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, without the blood of Jesus Christ washing us from our sin. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says their throat is an open sepulcher. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, it cannot reach. Neither is ears heavy, they cannot hear. But your sin has separated between you and God. Sin is a barrier from you and I to God. We must remove that barrier, and the only thing that will remove it is the blood of Jesus Christ. You come into contact with that blood when you and I are baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins. Folks say, oh, I, I, I believe in the blood of Jesus. Well then, if you believe in the blood of Jesus, I simply ask you tonight, will you not be baptized into Christ and come into contact with that blood? You cannot come into contact with the blood. This is what the Bible says, that we have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered unto us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which I have received, wherein you stand, by which, listen to this, by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you. I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, how that He was buried and raised again the third day. Now listen to what Paul said. I declare unto you the gospel. 
He said that gospel will save you. What is that gospel? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. So tonight, in just a few minutes, when we stand to sing this song of encouragement, through faith in Jesus as the Son of God, will you tonight be willing to change your life by repentance upon that faith? Will you tonight be willing to confess the name of Christ before this assembly tonight and then come into contact with the blood of Jesus Christ when you obey from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered unto you? Now listen to this. Being then made free from sin. Sin is no longer that barrier that stands between us and God. If you tonight... When we sing that invitation and you have never obeyed the gospel, you have never been baptized into Christ, why not tonight, my friend, why not tonight to obey the gospel and to become a child of God? You say, well, I've done that. I've obeyed the gospel. I'm a child of God. Now, when you and I look at that and we ask the question, uh, am I a saint? How does an individual achieve sainthood? Now, I want you to think about this. If you look at it in the denominational world, uh, now, if you want to be a saint, as far as some denominations are concerned, the first thing you've got to do is die. You can't be a saint till you die. Now, not only that, but you have to be dead for at least five years before your name can be introduced uh, for being a saint or sainthood. And it's called canonization. Now then, once that takes place, then there is a group, of, and, and especially, and, and you'll recognize this as far as Catholicism is concerned, and that is there is a, a group of men, uh, the bishops and cardinals, and they get together and basically uh, through a theological study, uh, they then recommend you as a saint. Now, once they recommend that you become a saint, there is this period called beautification. Now, now what that means is this. Let, let me, let's just use the area of Mac Mendel. And we're going to take Brother Tony here. We're going to, we're going to make Brother Tony a saint. He's going to be Saint Tony, all right? And so now, uh, sorry about that, Tony, but you've been dead five years, all right? Uh, and so the, the, the area of McMinnville says we want Brother Tony uh, to be a saint. Now, we've got all of these things which he has done that will qualify him to be a saint. But that's not all. There have got to be at least two miracles attributed to him posthumously. Now, what is that? Somebody said, oh, well, say that again. Well, I can't even spell it, but I'll tell you what it means. After you're dead, you've got to be able to perform some miracles. Now, uh, 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 in order to be a saint, there, have to be, there has to be at least two miracles attributed to you as a, after you're dead. Now, Mother Teresa, you're familiar with that name. She has been recommended as a saint. Uh, she's gone through that beautification process. And so now uh, they're saying, okay, here are two miracles that have been attributed to Mother Teresa after she has been dead. Now, here's one of them. There was a young girl, a young, uh, girl about seven years of age, and she took such a large dose of Tylenol, 
Seven times what a regular dose would be. Now, I don't know anything much about Tylenol. Uh, some of you doctors here would know what I'm talking about. But anyhow, she had taken what we would call an overdose of Tylenol. But she was healed and was saved because her family prayed through Mother Teresa in order that she'd be saved. And therefore, she uh, was healed. Uh, and so there's one miracle. Another miracle, and that was that there was a, a lady from France was in the United States of America, and she was involved in an automobile accident and broke several ribs. And she was healed. Those ribs were healed because she had a medallion of Mother Teresa on, and therefore these are the two miracles that have been attributed to Mother Teresa. Now, my friend, listen to this. And I don't mean to be unkind. I do not need to be cynical. But I'm just telling you, it's a lot of baloney. Why do I say that? Because the Holy Word of God does not support any such concept or doctrine. Now look at the Bible. For an example, in the book of Psalm 89, the Bible talks about the congregation of the saints. In the book of Psalm again, chapter number 97, the Bible talks about the souls of the saints. If you come to the New Testament in Matthew 27 uh, and verse number 52, the Bible talks about the bodies of the saints. In the book of Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 10, the Bible says that we have been called to be a saint. The Bible tells us then again in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 12, the Bible talks about the perfecting of the saints. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 1, the Bible says now concerning the collection for the saints. And in Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 8, and I've just given you a few of these, and in Revelation 5 and verse number 8, the Bible talks about the prayers of the saints. Now, when you and I look at this and we ask this question, well, what about the congregation of the saints? And what about the souls of the saints and the bodies of the saints and call to these saints and the collection of the saints? Now, what about all that? Well, if you have a copy of the Bible, I want you to turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter number 1. And look at what the Bible says. In Colossians chapter number 1, Paul said, "...an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus our brother..." Listen to what he says, "...to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ." And so what is he saying? He's writing to the church at Colossae, and he says, now I am writing this. I want to ask you a question. If he's writing to the saints at Colossae, is he, is he writing to the cemetery? Yeah, you know... Sometimes folks will come to me and they'll say, Now, now Brother Acuff, uh, we, we want to go to a church that, 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 that doesn't have any problems. I said, Well, I know where one is. And they said, You do? I said, I know. I don't have any problems. Are you sure? I said, Yes. I can take you about a half a mile down from our church building. There's a cemetery down there. There's not a single problem down there. They're all dead. And so Paul said, I am writing to the saints of God, to the brethren, to the saints and faithful brethren which are at Colossae. He is not writing, my friend, to a cemetery. Now look at what he says. 
He said, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in the gospel. Now, he talks to them about saints. And then he says, we heard about your faith in the gospel. Now, there are three columns or three pillars of a building, spiritual building. Three columns, three pillars in a spiritual building. One of those is faith. You know, you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Bible says, Now by the faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Notice, my friend, that Paul writes to the church at Colossae, and he said, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. We do not have time tonight, but if we did, we would examine the Bible, what the Bible says about faith. As a matter of fact, if you go to James chapter number 2, the Bible, te- there are three kinds of faith in James chapter 2. There is a uh, demonic faith, there is a dead faith, and a dynamic faith. You remember what the Bible says? That faith without works is dead. There's a dead faith. Now, the Bible says that the demons believed and trembled. There is a demonic faith. And then James said, You show me your faith without your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. That is a dynamic faith. Then when you and I turn to the book of Romans chapter number 1, verses 8 through 12, he talks there about four kinds of faith in those verses. He talks about uh, a converting faith. He says, when, when I write unto you of the, of the faith, of your faith, and what it was, a converting faith, that others knew about the faith of the Romans. Not only that, but he talks about the common faith. Now, the word, he uses the word mutual in Romans 1 verse 12. He talks about a mutual faith. I call it common. A common faith. There was a time. There was a time, ladies and gentlemen, when you could get in your automobile in McMinnville, Tennessee, and you could go in any direction, northeast, south, or west, and you could arrive in a city on a Saturday night, and you could uh, pick up the yellow pages. And I mean, before we had the Internet, uh, you could pick up the yellow pages, turn to the yellow pages, find the designation Church of Christ, find the local Church of Christ, and you could go to that building on the Lord's Day morning, and you could assemble with those saints of God, and they would be doing principally the same thing that you and I do here on Sunday morning. But that isn't true anymore. That's not happening. My wife and I were in Hawaii back in September. And I had, we had been there before. And I said, okay, we, the trip was planned uh, and so that we would be in Kona uh, on the Big Island. That we, so we would be in Kona on the uh, Lord's Day because we had been to the uh, Kona Church of Christ uh, several years ago. So I said, let's plan this where we can be in Kona uh, on the Lord's Day. And we were on Sunday morning. Huh. We get up and we drive to the church building. We, uh, unfortunately, I had looked on the Internet, and I had noticed that the time was 10 o'clock to 11.30. didn't have a Bible class. They just had the worship. Begins at 10 o'clock, and we, unfortunately, I got lost a little bit and had a little later time. We were about 10 minutes getting to the service. I did not know where I was when we walked in. 
When we walked in, now, the, 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 the chairs were all in a circle. Now, that, there's nothing wrong with having chairs in a circle. They only had about 40, uh, 35 folks there, and they had the chairs all in a circle. And so we came in, and we sat down, and the preacher's wife was uh, giving some kind of a message. And then, in a, in a little bit, uh, the preacher says, Well, uh, is there anybody else... You know, wouldn't you? Have you ever been in a situation where you'd like to kick yourself? I wished I'd have kicked. I mean, I, I, I really apologize that I didn't do better. Anybody, anybody want to go around? Well, this goes on, and they're hand clapping, and they're standing up, and, and, and I mean, I don't know. They did have a Lord's Supper, uh, and I, it was just, I mean, I. It, it just was not New Testament worship because they, and at the end of the service, he said, now, uh, whomever the Lord has spoken to to lead the prayer, lead the closing prayer, I want to tell you, I wish now to spoke up and said, the Lord has spoken to me. He did. The Lord spoke to me through this right here. That I was in a group of false teachers. And some guy led a prayer. Now listen to this. When you and I talk about the common faith, the mutual faith, you and I ought to be able to take the Word of God and worship God on the Lord's Day in the body of Jesus Christ, and it shouldn't make any difference whether we're in Hawaii, whether we're in Alaska, whether we're in McMinnville, Tennessee, whether we're in Florida, the state of Texas. It shouldn't matter at all because we ought to have the same pattern. You know what they had there? McDonald's. And guess what? I had a Big Mac. And guess what? The Big Mac I had was the same Big Mac, same thing on that, that if you go down the street here in McMinnville and go to McDonald's and order a Big Mac, you're going to get the same thing we got there. Why? Because they have, they have a book that they go by. And so in, the, in faith, when he talks about the common faith, now he talks about a consecrated faith in verse 17, and he talks about a communicating faith. So we've got seven faiths. And so when you and I look at this passage of Scripture, and Paul makes this statement, Colossians chapter 1, when he said, I know since we heard of your faith in Christ. Now, watch this. Not only he said do we know of your faith in Christ, but which you have with all saints, but he said which is laid up. Now, got to hope that I want to back up. Hold on just a second. Now, not only the faith, but look at this, for the hope. My line didn't go over there. Just, just imagine it, folks. It's under the word hope. All right? For the hope that we have in the gospel. Now, not only that, but look at what he said. He said, which you had the word of truth of the gospel, and he talks about another word, and again, it's not coming up right. And that is the word love. Now, watch this. The three pillars, faith, hope, and love. Now, when you and I look at this, if you have just the faith without the hope and love, if you have just the faith, you'll become harsh. You'll become unkind. If you have love without the faith and hope, my friend, you will, uh, you'll become uh, loose in the doctrine of Christ. Oh, there are those who say, well, now, Brother Acuff, uh, I, I, I just got to love everybody. Well, we do. 
But you see, this idea, my friend, that, that everything has got to be oil. Now, brother, now, brother, Acuff, you oughtn't to preach any negative sermons and you oughtn't to preach anything that, that challenge anybody. Now, you see what happens? There are those, they, they don't have a strong faith. Oh, they've got a strong love. But then the word hope. And when you and I look at the word hope, if a man does not have hope, then he's going to become discouraged. And so the three pillars of a spiritual life, a spiritual building, involves faith, it involves hope, and it involves love. Now, that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verses 8, 9, and down through about verse number 12. Now, I want you to watch this, because it is in this passage of Scripture that the Bible tells us about how to achieve sainthood. Look at this verse. For this cause also... He said, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His Word. How do you become a saint? How do you achieve sainthood? Number one, I've got about four or five of these. Number one, by being filled with the knowledge of the Word of God. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needs not be ashamed, right to divide in the word of truth. First Peter 2, verse 2, Peter said, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. In Hosea 4, verse 6, you remember the Bible says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You and I need to have a knowledge of the word of God. Now, there are some people who do not read the Bible regularly. I heard about one fellow, and he said, you know what? I need to study my Bible. And as a matter of fact, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to do whatever. I'm, I'm just, here, I'm going, to, I'm going to let it look like this, and I'm going to let it lie open, flow, and wherever my eyes land, that's what I'm going to do. Well, he did that. His eyes fell on this passage, and he went out and hanged himself. He said, oh, surely God doesn't want me to do that. He said, I'm going to try it one more time. So he closed the Bible, and he said, now wherever my Bible opens, then and where my eyes fall, that's what I'm going to do. And his eyes fell on this passage, go and do thou likewise. Oh, he said, surely God doesn't want me to do that. I'm going to try it one more time. And he let his Bible fall open, and his eyes fell on this passage, whatsoever thou doest, do quickly. Well, you see, there are so many folks, and their attitude to the Bible, their attitude to the Word of God is, well, uh, I, you know, wherever my eyes fall, that's what I'm going to do. You and I need a knowledge of the Word of God. Peter said in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now there may be some, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. Let me see, where's the sight? Can I get out this door if I need to over here? I didn't know if bail would drain or what. But now, you know what? It, this, this kind of, it, it'll show you. Folks say, well now, Brother Acuff, I've been, a, I've been a member of the church for 25 years. Well, that's great. God bless you. And they become ill. And uh, now I understand, being an elder, that this is not uh, in the same line. But I want you just to imagine that I'm not an elder. I, I'm just a gospel preacher in the Lithia Spring Congregation. Here is a member of the church, has been a member of the church for 25 years, and they're in the hospital, and I go to visit them, and they have a friend or a relative, and I come in and they say, Oh, Brother Aka, I'm so glad you're here. And their friend and relative, and they say, uh, This is our pastor. If I had duct tape, I'd put it on their mouth. 
You see, unless I am an elder of the church, unless I have met those qualifications, a member of the church who's been a member of the church for 25 years ought to know the difference between what a pastor or pastors are and a gospel preacher. Now, why do we not? Because we do not have the knowledge that we need to have of the Holy Word of God. If I'm going to be a saint, Paul says to these brethren that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now notice something else. He said that you might walk worthy of the Lord. What about our walk? The Bible teaches, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, And he teaches us, for an example, in Ephesians chapter number 4, when he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, he talks about this walk, the walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Are we walking worthy of that vocation? Book of Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33. The Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness that the kingdom of God must be first in the life of Larry Haycuff. Now, I want you to watch it, because here's what happens. When you and I begin to put Christ first in our life, there is going to be, my friend, there is going to be a constant conflict. Now, think about that. Have you ever heard somebody say, Well, you know, Brother Haycuff, I never run into the devil. Well, if you've never ran into the devil, you're going the same direction he's in. Because if you begin to live the Christian life and you're seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, you know what's going to happen? You're going to run into the devil. There's going to be a conflict. I think I mentioned this earlier. My dad couldn't count. You know, See, if members of the body of Christ, and I'm talking to the wrong group tonight, I realize that. I, uh, you are the ones who will be here every Wednesday night and every Sunday morning and every Sunday night. So maybe you can tell uh, some folks who don't always come, maybe you can help them out. But when you and I find out, see, when we get all of these activities in our life that conflict with the will of God, are we the kind of child of God, are we the kind of saint that are going to put the kingdom of God first? There'll be a constant conflict. There will be some crucial choices that have to be made. My dad, several years ago, we were when I was a kid, we went to Florida on vacation. And uh, oh, about five o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday, my brothers and I, we were down here near the beach. And I, I looked up there and there was this great big old tall fellow standing out at the end of the walkway. He said, boys, come on up. Do what? You guys, come on up. What do you mean, come up? Well, he said, tonight's Wednesday night. We're going to Bible study. We're going to do what? Don't you know we're in Daytona Beach and it's Wednesday night and we're on vacation and those folks back at the White Oak Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, they're never going to know that we didn't go to Wednesday night Bible study. Now, that would have been the argument we would have made if we were in the habit of arguing with Dad. But I wasn't in the habit of arguing with Dad. See, because Dad made, a, Dad made a decision one time. And that decision was this. That decision was when the church of the Lord meets wherever it is and wherever we are, then the Acre family is going to be there. You know, I never came in on a Sunday afternoon and, and asked my dad, are we going to church tonight? 
I'm going to tell you, if I'd asked that question, I mean, he'd have slapped me upside the head. It would ring like a ten-penny fish and they'll hit with a greasy ball-pin hammer. I mean, my head would still be shaking. Why? Because a decision was made. And so when you and I look at this passage of Scripture, and the Bible says that you might work, walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Now, not, now watch this. This is number three. Number one, you and I need to have the knowledge of the Word of God if we're going to be a saint. Number two, we need to walk worthy. And number three, we need to be well-pleasing in the sight of God. In the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11, the Bible tells us that there was a man... In Hebrews 11 and verse number 5, the Bible says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had translated him. And the Bible said that before his translation, he had this testimony, noticing that, that he pleased God. So if I'm going to be a saint... Number one, I need to acknowledge the Bible. If I'm going to be a saint, I need to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith I am called. If I'm going to be a saint, my friend, then you and I must recognize that we must please God. Now, see what happens in our world today? Many times we're too interested. We're too interested in pleasing our communities. We may be... Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I, now, Brother Acuff, I, I, want, I want my children to be popular, so uh, therefore we're going to let them do those things that will help them be popular in school. Are they popular with God? If I'm going to be a saint, then I want to be pleasing in the sight of God. I want to hear God say in the day of judgment, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Look at the next one. He said that we might be strengthened with all might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Y'all may have heard this story. It's been in bulletins, but there was a congregation, I mean a large congregation, probably uh, seven, eight hundred folks. And the preacher, the preacher had gotten up and was beginning to preach, and all of a sudden there were three men came in. They had on a, a black hat, and they had on these long black uh, coats, and they had uh, shotguns. Now, if you've never been in a situation like that, you, you really don't know what's... I was preaching in E-Course, Michigan several years ago and was sitting down there about where Brother Tony is. And we had a, we had a double door over here. And I'm sitting there and we're getting ready to, I, I think, maybe take the Lord's Supper. And all of a sudden, this fellow walks in. He has a bandana on his head. He has a boom box in one hand and a cigarette in the other hand. I didn't know what was going to happen. He walked up to the front and he said, Now, don't be afraid. All I want is money. I'm telling you, I was ready to get out of the pew. Number one, I didn't have any money and I didn't know what he'd do if I didn't give him some. But there was a little old fellow, he's smaller than I was, and he was sitting there by me and he got up and kind of went up there and put his arm around him and said, Now, uh, let, let me help you out. And fortunately, he was able to walk him out. Well, when he got out, he said, You know what? If y'all just give me some money to ride in a taxi. Uh, well, they got him a ride where the car had little lights on the top of it. And so, uh, now, that, that, it was interesting. I, got up, I, I get up to preach, and about halfway through my sermon, there's this other, this fellow starts coming down the aisle. Big fellow. And then he moves in and he sits down in one of the pews. Well, I extend, in a few minutes, I extend the invitation to him. And when I extend the invitation to him, 
I mean, this is all the same service. This fellow comes out of there and walks out and he sits down. Well, I sit down by him and I said, what can, what can I help you with? He said, well, you said to come. Here I am. Well, we got that worked out. That night, we had the highest attendance on Sunday night that church ever had. Folks come back to see if something exciting was going to happen. <laughs> like the old boy... One night they, they built this new church building, and and, and uh, it caught fire, and 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 the, the fire chief they came and put the fire out, and they called the preacher, and, and the preacher runs down there, and, and and he oh oh the building oh man what are we going to do? Well there was this other fellow standing, he said wow, ooh look at the head wow isn't that so? And the preacher said, man, who are you? I've never seen you down here before. He said, I've never seen this church on fire before. And so, uh, you know, you get on fire, folks, come watch you burn. So now these three guys, they've got shotguns, they've got long coats, and they walk in and they come to the front of the building and they say, if you do not want to get shot for being here today, you better leave. Well, I'm telling you what, the crowd got up and they began to leave. And I mean about 600 of them left. That left about 100 in the audience. And when all that other 600 left, those men turned around to the preacher and they said, Okay, preacher, you can preach now. The hypocrites are gone, you know. So when you and I, are we strengthened with all our might? Do you and I have strength? The Bible says be strong in the Lord. And he said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You're going to be a saint? Then you and I need to walk worthy. You and I need to put Christ first in our lives. We need to be filled with knowledge. We need to walk worthy. We need to be pleasing to God. We need to be strengthened. And then we need to give thanks. The Bible says and teaches us very vividly to have a thankful heart. Do we do that? Oh, the Bible says, do not be anxious in anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And then he tells us to do so with thanksgiving. Are we thankful? When you and I think about thankful, look at the blessings that we enjoy. I think about the meals that we've enjoyed this week. I think about the opportunities that we have to preach the gospel of Christ. See, we have this problem sometimes that we, we want to complain. Paul said, if you are a saint, to the saints of God at Colossae, we sing the song, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. The Bible says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Now, it's not always easy. Several years ago, Jet and I were flying out to San Francisco, and uh, we'd been over to, to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and we had a rental car, and we came back to Atlanta, and, and her sister was with us, and I said, now, Janet, uh, you, you and Lib get out, and you go ahead, take the luggage, here's some money for the sky cap, uh, you go ahead and get our luggage checked, uh, I'll go turn in the rental car, and I'll come back. So I did, got to turn the rental car in, came back. And um, we got on the plane, and she said, Boy, that uh, Skycap, he gave us some great ideas of places to visit while we're in San Francisco. And he was just telling us all kind of wonderful things. And so 
We landed in San Francisco about midnight, and we were hungry, and we decided there was a Denny's there, so we said, let's go have, uh, let's go something to eat. So we did. Stopped at Denny's, and we got our meal, and I, I thought, well, I'm not going to put this on a credit card. I'll just pay for it. I reached in my pocket to get my money. Now, I had, I knew that I had a $50 bill, and I had about three or four ones. When I got that out of my pocket, I had four $1 bills. You know what I had done? I had given the sky cap, I'd given to Janet to give to the sky cap the money that I was taking with me, and I, and I didn't give her the $4 to give to him. He got a $53 tip. I said, no wonder he was so nice and friendly. I said, can you imagine this? He's going to go home tonight and say to his wife, honey, you ain't going to believe what kind of a tip I got. So there we are sitting in the restaurant. Now, fortunately, uh, we, we didn't have to uh, wash dishes. But you know what? That could have ruined the entire trip. I mean, I gave away to this guy $53. Now, don't take this as being any self-righteous concept. Certainly do not, please. But I'm telling you, in life, we can let a little incident like that ruin our lives and ruin our enthusiasm, and ruin our joy, and keep us from being happy, rather than thinking, God, God, thank you that that sky cap's going to have fun tonight. Look what the Bible says. Giving thanks to the Father. Now, my friend, tonight, if you want to be a saint, have a knowledge of the Word of God. If you want to be a saint, walk worthy and well-pleasing. If you want to be a saint, then not just walk worthy and well-pleasing, but be strengthened in might. And then be thankful in your life every day. Again, I was out in, up in Memphis, Tennessee a few months ago, and I had gotten up early to fly back to Atlanta, and I went through uh, TSA there and went to the security and they were very nice. They just, it was just uh, very nice folks. And, and I'm chatting with the TSA agents. And uh, I said, you know what? It's just great uh, to be able to get up and, and maneuver around. I said, it's tomorrow. I said, I need to get up this morning and get down here and maneuver around. And that TA, TSA agent said something to me. And I'll never forget it because I, I, it just made an impression on me. He said, yes, it is great to be able to get up and maneuver around. And he said, and to know where you are. I thought, wow, there's a lot of folks that can maneuver around. There are a lot of folks who can walk around, who can get up. But they might not know where they are. I'm thankful to God that you and I have the blessings that God has given us. If you're not a child of God, you ought to become a Christian this evening. You ought to obey the gospel. Believing in Christ, changing your life by repentance, confessing His name before men, being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you say, well, you know, maybe you've been playing church. Maybe you've not had that zeal and that enthusiasm. That, that, now, it would be hard for me to believe among most of those in this church because I know how you are, and God bless you for that. But if there's one or two or whatever... If you don't have that zeal and that enthusiasm and that dedication and that love for the knowledge and that desire to be strong, why not respond right now to the invitation while together we stand and sing?